I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. everybody welcome to feminist buzzkills live uh it has been an incredibly hard day for all of us as the news has broken that roe v wade and planned parenthood v casey have been overturned it is a devastating blow to bodily autonomy to the rights and literally self-determination of 30 plus million women and people of reproductive age in this nation um an illegitimate court has for the first time in the history of our nation stripped away a constitutional right that has been afforded to us for nearly 50 years, saying that it was invalid, saying that it wasn't in the constitution and basically putting us into a space that is the great unknown and terrifying for people who provide care, people seeking care and people who are simply seeking their destiny. Uh, We're gonna break down what it means what it means immediately, what it means in your state with the senior advisor in state policy and strategic partnership uh, director at the Center for Reproductive Rights. Ashley Gray will be joining us in a minute to talk about that. We also have some other news around abortion access. um, And hopefully we'll be able to bring you some joy with our incredible guest to close out the show. Moj, tell them who going to bring us some some joy and some love so hopefully um our our guest actor singer abortion spokesmodel busy phillips she's going to join us and talk about her latest projects girls five eva raising kids in the current hellscape and what inspired her to become an abortion evangelist that's right um and it just feels so um terrifying right now moji i know it's just fully terrifying and we're just trying to keep it together. Um, we've spent the day at work sending care packages to clinics around the country. Um, and it is, it's a fucking hot mess. Marie is joining us later because right now, as we speak, Marie is trying to, um, get people new appointments, get people to different places to have their procedures for her job at Midwest Access Coalition. And so as soon as she can, um, take a breath and finish, she'll be joining us on the show. But first, before we kick into some of the other news, which sort of seems hilariously irrelevant, but it's not, and get to busy, um, we are going to bring on an expert in state politics and initiatives who can give us some breathing room, give us some tools, and um, let us know how we can all 
act now and in the future. So please welcome State Policy, Advocacy, and Strategic Partnership Director at the Center for Reproductive Rights, Ashley Gray. Ashley, we're so glad that you were available to be able to talk to us on the worst day of our lives. Um, (laughs) You're somebody who is crucial to talk to today because of your brilliance and knowledge on what's happening in every state, state initiatives. Um, Can you talk a little bit about just the overview of what today means for people um, and then maybe what tomorrow and how, how the big picture plays out? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. That was a very generous way to describe me. Um, So essentially today reporting live from hell is that um, Roe v. Wade and Casey, Planned Parenthood v. Casey have been overturned. The ruling essentially said that there is no federal constitutional right to abortion. They used historic arguments claiming that abortion was never legal or part of our nation's history and traditions. It's not a fundamental right. Stare decisis doesn't apply here, which basically determines that they have to follow their own rules. So what this means is that um, devastatingly, we're anticipating that likely over half or nearly half of the states um, may immediately take action to ban abortion outright. It'll force people to travel hundreds of thousands of miles to access care, um, or it will force them to continue to carry pregnancies against their will, um, which is a violation of their human rights, just point blank. Um, I'm already hearing whispers that states that have trigger bans, so those are um, laws on the books that essentially said that once Roe was overturned, a trigger will happen and we will immediately ban abortion. Um, I'm hearing that those are already potentially in effect in states like Louisiana, Kentucky, South Dakota, and maybe even Missouri. Um, So that's what's happening. That's how quickly this is happening. Um, I would estimate this time next year, we'll see that number that nearly half of the states banning abortion um, in some capacity, whether in part or completely. Um, The center, for reproductive rights has a tool called What If Roe Fell that will continue to be live going forward. Um, the sad reality is that we're going to have to change the name um, because it's <laughs> no longer a question anymore. Um, for now, people can access What If Roe Fell under its current name, and you'll see those red states um, where we'll anticipate them banning abortion, and folks can really get a a clear sense and a good visual picture of, of what we're looking at. Do you think it'll take a year to see what that actually looks like? Um, Cause I feel like some places that have trigger bans, we're gonna see the effects by tomorrow morning, if not already. Yeah, I, I believe there's about 11 states that we consider with having trigger bans. There's um, a bit more with pre-row bans, which are essentially laws that are still on the books that we're banning abortion before Roe v. Wade was decided. Um, Many of those will be litigated, um, but the the numbers say that, um, you know, that's gonna be the reality. Um, So yeah, about 13 states, and then those that don't have them, I think will then go through the legislative process. Um, That usually happens January to June. Um, Some may call special sessions before then, 
and ban it even earlier. So I think my approximate guess is in about a year or or less, um, probably by May, June of 2023, it'll all kind of be said and done. And in the interim, we'll be doing everything we can along with Abortion Access Front and many other really important partners who are fighting for access tooth and nail um, in every location across the country um, to either shore up protections or get people where they need to go to get their care. Ashley, I know you work at a legal organization, but like those of us who are not lawyers are working in legal organizations um, in this year, what can we do? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are lots of states, um, you'll, you can definitely see them in our What If Rofell tool, the states that are yellow or green. Um, you can urge your legislators to pass protections, repeal existing um, restrictions that are on the books, like parental notification laws, um, anything that can increase access in those states will be helpful, not just for the people in those states, but the people traveling to those states as well. Um, a really great law to push for, if you don't have it in your state, um, is to expand the types of providers who can provide care. Um, so certified nurse midwives, nurse practitioners, they can easily provide safe abortion care within the scope of their practice. That will expand the amount of providers who can provide and shore up um, just capacity because more people will be traveling to those states. That's just one example. Um, folks can obviously donate to abortion funds. Um, I would encourage them to look, um, look at the abortion fund that they want to donate to, make sure they're taking donations. I think in the short term, some could halt their um, practices um, out of just needing to legally for their own safety. Um, so I definitely encourage people to do their research and donate to abortion funds or the National Network of Abortion Funds um, and also other practical support networks that are in their local communities. I think those are you know, a legal example, a non-legal example. Um, volunteer at your local independent clinic if you have one. Um, if you're in a state that will not ban abortion, ask what they need, organize and ask your local independent advocacy organizations too, the ones who have you know, been doing this work for a long time, who are long established, who have clinic escort programs. I would encourage people not to try and reinvent the wheel if they don't have to. Yeah, um, I think that that's so smart. And I'm, I'm just so th thankful, Ashley, that you who you know, started out with us many years ago at Lady Parts Justice League and Julie Rosing, who also started out with us, has a wonderful resource called I Need an A, uh, which is a website that keeps up to date on the clinics that are open and people that have telemedicine, which is really great. Um, and this is really where Operation Save Abortion, our project comes into play on July 17th. We are bringing providers, activists, people who do legislative and policy work to New York for a, a day of conversations that are going to beam into houses and you can get an onboarding of all of the advocacy that's out there. And then we will hook you up with the folks that need help um, and then help them onboard new people. So um, while it's really dire and terrible, like I love Ashley, you just gave us a bunch of things to think about, a bunch of ways that we mm -hmm. can be proactive and the one thing that I would just ask everyone is if you've never voted solely and prioritized 
access to abortion. This is the time to do research on who is on your city council, who is your governor, who are your state representatives. Who's on your school board. Yeah, find out if they are um, good or bad and call their offices and tell them that you your vote for them depends on them being proactive in making sure that abortion access remains safe in and legal and accessible in their state. So let's do that. Ashley, thank you for jumping on and being a voice of reason and giving us so many things to think about um, and to really help hold us all accountable for stuff that we can do. It's really crucial at this time. Thank you for the work and let us know what we can do to amplify any of it. Thank you. My pleasure. It was so good to be back. I feel like this is full circle. And- it is full circle. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley and I were the first hosts of our podcast many, many, many years ago. So it's amazing. Sure. Thank you for being the feminist buzzkills that you are. Um, <laughs> it's important keep talking about it, keep raising hell and sending all my love and solidarity. Thank you. You too. We're with you. you. Thank you so much, Ashley. So let's get to some other stories that kind of tie in because patriarchy doesn't take a holiday. Uh, We're going to get back to reporting on the war in white Manistan. Uh, And I'm going to start with um, just, they're going to be extra. The anti-abortion forces are going to be extra. And so The forces of forced birth have been burning misogyny's candle at both ends to make sure it's nearly impossible to help anyone get abortion care anywhere. And this week, the National Right to Life, the mothership of motherfuckers, has issued Edict Number 5 Jillian in their evil plan of uterus domination. It comes in the form of model legislation crafted for all 50 states to make sure that after Roe falls and after the 23 states basically end all abortion, they're going to come in with this piece of legislation that makes sure there will not be a crumb of abortion access left anywhere. Uh, We're going to break down the high points, but basically they are, you know, no abortions unless it prevents the death of the mother. Um, You know, there'll be criminal penalties uh, for providers and and it'll it'll expand criminal enforcement of abortion. Uh, It also includes, of course, the aiding and abetting for an illegal abortion and then just adds every single nuanced way and tangential way that you can help someone get an abortion. And then, of course, it has to just glom on to uh, the any rando who claims they're affected by your abortion can file civil charges against somebody who's having an abortion, which is also new because most of those bounty hunter laws are bringing civil charges against someone who is aiding and abetting someone. But this also includes people having abortions. So, guys, like um, it's before we break it down, I just want to say that I I looked at the map of like states that would remain vulnerable after the immediate trigger law states and the states that have shitty laws on the books that will, you know, almost entirely ban abortion. And there's around eight states on top of those 23, 26 states that have um, either like a governor that's vulnerable, that has a shitty legislature or just flat out shitty legislatures. And so that means that there's for sure eight states who are going to be amenable to taking this model legislation and possibly getting it passed. It's also kind of like, you know, um, the finishing touch on any state that's passed other six week bans that just want to make sure that they put that, you know, dot the I and cross the T on their oppression. So that leaves us with 
possibly 34 states um, who will have not only like penalized, you know, no care, but really harsh penalties and jail time and um, invited stalking bounty laws for folks. And it feels really, really scary. Yeah, it's really terrifying. Also, I don't know. I just, I read this and I was like, all I could just think is like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. who dreams this shit up? Like, it's it really is one of the, like, first do the most harm kind of law. You know, like, yeah. how yeah. badly can we make it for everyone? Let's do that. And seeing the extent to which people are really looking at, like, past history, like, very scary racist history. Like, we just talked about what's not in the Constitution. All these things that our people are trying to pull back. And these are all these hallmarks that, like, Liz is is pulling up and mentioning like I really like the whole you know why why does it have to like threaten the the death why is like the death has death need to be the alternative for the pregnant person why can't it just be you know like if you're gonna become severely severely ill maybe you should have access to an abortion thank you Marie martyrdom because... like why is it boiled down to this martyrdom that you impose mm-hmm. on people like you have to want to die for your baby you need to be that scared before we'll let you get an abortion <laughs> Well, and like, you know, yeah. And like, you think about that person in Texas who went into a coma and they made them carry that pregnancy, you know, very far along until I think and their spouse had to fight the state. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. Right. So that leads me to believe that if if somebody if you're pregnant um, and you can't make a decision for yourself, let's say you're, you know, in a vegetative state. Does that mean you can't have an abortion because you're not te- it's not technically going to kill you this pregnancy? Like I don't really know how this shit plays out, but it's it's almost like we talked about this before on the podcast, but they are such sore winners that like it's almost like they're they're zombies and they have to feed on oppression mm-hmm. and like they they come up with a thing and they're so excited about this oppressive law they passed and then it's like the high goes away. So they have to write something that's even more evil because that's the only way that they like, I just picture them like jerking off in a corner, just writing these horrible, like just like kind of smacking it like an ape, you know, just like being so excited about the horribleness. And like, I just feel like that's the only way that they um, get pleasure is through the horrific ways that they can oppress other people. And I feel like it's really fucked up. And so I did a little bit of research on the attorney that they use to craft this law. He's the general counsel for national right to life. And this dude, I was like, Oh my God, he was the lawyer that argued and crafted citizens United. Yeah. His whole, his whole jam in his career has been to use grassroots organizations to create loopholes for massive corporations to be able to do political giving. And he from college was like, just wanted to do anything to own the libs. And he like wrote at a magazine with William F. Buckley that eventually became the American spectator. I mean, his whole, he, he was from Indiana, worked for Indiana, right for right to life. And then became the national right to life council. He is the guy who's reasoning set the logic for the Supreme Court for Bush v. Gore. This fucker gave us George Bush saying oh. he took, he, the, he took the case of three voters in Florida that said, my rights are being violated by you recounting the ballots. And the Supreme Court was like, yeah, 
So you're saying this man has single-handedly walked us into the, the situation, what would be with Bush and then Citizens United. And this is terrifying also, because he's really yeah. effective, it seems, in his also, insanity. Yeah, but dude has been like wild. Like he also, before marriage equality was decided in the constitution, I mean, that they decided in the constitution, this dude um, what took on in Prop 8, there was an organization that signed on to this petition uh, saying that um, they didn't want uh, it was a group called Protect Marriage and they filed a suit and uh, because yes. they didn't want the names. I'm sorry, my dog just like my, my uh, thing. Um, they didn't want the names, their names that signed a petition that said we don't want gay marriage to be public. And a lower court had ruled, uh, sorry, you signed a petition, your names are public. And so when they found out whose was on the names, the people from trying to protect um, marriage equality wrote this really funny letter that they sent to all these people. And the letter was signed, you're a queer hating douchebag, fuck you. Um, and so when James Bopp, the lawyer, was reading it before the Supreme Court, like, this is terrible, look what they did. Even Scalia was like, um, your client should get some thick skins. And this is, <laughs> but this is what's interesting is that Scalia said, uh, democracy takes a certain amount of civic courage and the first amendment does not protect you from criticism or even nasty phone calls when you take part in the legislative process. And I thought about that and they kept calling it the douchebag cage, which is also sort of great, but I just thought about Scalia saying that. And what would Scalia be saying now about protesters in front of Brett Kavanaugh's house about how um, this court and Scalia says garbage. I was going like, to say, are we are, are right? we doing a pro Scalia podcast? This we week? are not. We are not. But, but I was concerned. How, how do you cry like Clarence Thomas did and all these people did about people exercising their rights in front of the mm -hmm. justices homes when the justices were political? Right. Made up, you know, so I just think it's very interesting. So just thinking about like who this person is, who this lawyer is, their history um, of just being um, totally just, destroying democracy. I want to jump in also and just say it's wild how like you think like, oh, maybe they are really motivated by their ethics or their beliefs. But if you can't put your name behind your beliefs, you know that they're fucked up. Yeah, if you're arguing that shit, you're a mess, you know, you but that's know. Been his whole thing is that keeping secrecy um, of this massive donations. And, you know, of course, also when corporations became people, we need abortion more than ever. Um, I'd be like, <laughs> we need to abort these corporations. I mean, maybe it's, it's like a little bit crazy. Uh, we could start with Tesla. Uh, possibly, <laughs> but, you know, so I just feel like it's really interesting that he has worked tirelessly to keep things secret. And to pull, funnel, funnel, funnel so much money into politics. And he created this shitty landscape of like where we're at now. And um, and I think that like that just goes without saying that here we are. But let's move on. Let's move on from that shithead. Moji, I know you have the latest in the anti-abortion activist to even worse kind of person pipeline. I mean, it really is. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it is. So. <clears throat> Last week, this story dropped and it was wildly shocking to us 
not many other people paid attention, but I just want to give you some background before I talk about the story. So you may, if you paid any attention, notice that conservative politicians are really trying to slyly repeat these QAnon conspiracy talking points that essentially Democrats have global pedophile rings and that are in some way grooming children for assault. And you, if you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure I saw that. If you paid any attention to the Ketanji Brown Jackson hearings, Josh Hawley and Teddy Cruz were really trying to paint her as some sort of pedo sympathizer. And then of course, Pizzagate famously during the 2016 election, um, all this this sort of conspiracy chatter made this person who I think was unwell, uh, decide that a DC pizzeria was a child sex ring and he showed up at the pizzeria with a rifle to free the kids but it turns out it was it was just a pizzeria because that's what it said on the on the sign anyway so the story what i want to talk about is how the owners of this white nationalist publishing company aka aka i like to call them literary fascists their identities were uncovered by the southern poverty law center um so why (laughs) How does this even tie into abortion extremism, you ask? Let me tell you. The owners of the imprint are all former Penn State student for life activists and also white nationalist Penn State (laughs) activists. And they seem to have been groomed (laughs) into the white supremacist lifestyle. Uh, And similar to uh, the people Bob supported, they tried to hide their identities for years, probably because they knew what they were doing was wrong. Um, they've been darlings of the white supremacy, white nationalist podcast world. And to go back to grooming, they have a little baby Nazi primer imprint under their under their literary journal or literary, organi- uh, what are they? They're publishing, literary publishing. And they publish white supremacist books for kids, for kids, because nothing's better than setting up children to be terrible citizens. Wow. And this is wild because like when you look into actual grooming and like pedophile accusations, generally it's conservative politicians and activists. Well, you know, yeah, it's Matt Gaetz. That is doing this bullshit. Matt Gaetz, you know, you Mm -hmm. have like, you have Jim Jordan who looked away at college wrestling rape. You know, it's just like Dennis Hastert when he was Speaker of the House was a wrestling coach in high school who was accused of molesting kids. You know, it's just... Donald Trump, remember him? Mm-hmm. Our um, favorite guy in uh, in I Alabama who was dating 15-year-old oh, when he was in his 30s. More. Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> yeah, I anti-Semite Sam. That's what Joe, I call him. Joe Paterno and, and Sandusky right there at Penn State. You yeah. have your pedophiles, guys. I mean, it yeah. just goes on and on and on with them. And um, and yet they, I mean, that's projection at its height. 1,000%. But like, but like these books, like, where do they live? Are they just like, are they like in right wing press? And then like, you know, you order them just from like, uh, no, 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 no. You can order them on Amazon because we need to abort corporations. And (laughs) that's my rallying cry for today. Abort corporations. I mean, okay. So, um, so the woman, and her husband, I think were, I think there's three people on, I think two of those three, three or two were married. Yeah. 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 And she, and I can't remember her married or her unmarried name, but um, has, has, since this came out in the Severn Poverty Law Center website, have they, has students for life, like said anything? Have you seen any, any crickets, crickets, yeah. crickets, really you loud know, crickets? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it, it just bears also mentioning that, um, in the students to life um, 
students to life to creep pipeline that they seem to be running also. Um, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast and uh, extensively uh, a couple of years ago, uh, somebody who came through their college program, somebody who was their graphic designer at Students for Life, somebody who was so revered, they were allowed a very exclusive speaking spot in 2014 at the big March for Life, somebody who has worked uh, at, um, uh, I think, uh, live action, somebody who was part, uh, he actually took the headshot of Rona Daniels, who is the head of the RNC. Um, this guy with his bona fides, I'm sure I've missed some other right. Oh yeah. Susan B. Anthony list. He interned there too. Ah, yes. Um, his name is Ruben Verastigway and he was arrested for um, doing online child porn, I think distributing it. And um and they were all trying to back away from him slowly. But like, you know, my question is, you if you belong to a right to life organization in college and all through college and then continue that as your career or part of it anyway, um, there's something in you that uh, it's profound. That's a profound thing that forms you. So what is it about students for life? that, you know, puts ideas into these people's heads to go on and be horrible. You know, I mean, like, what is that foundational piece that is like, is it I'm not getting enough hate here, I need more hate, or I've gotten, I'm taking it to the next level. Thank you very much for the stepping stone. Like, you know, there's, feel like there's a little chicken to egg thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what came first? Were you an asshole because you joined Student of Life? Or did you join <laughs> Student for Life and become an asshole? I think that that's um, <laughs> a really good philosophical ponder. <laughs> I think it's a really good philosophical ponder. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet, you know, again, no one's reporting on it and it's not happening. And like, as we just sit steeped in waiting for the, for the, you know, court case of the, our lifetimes to come down to see how abortion access is going to roll out um, here. And then we have these stories of like, pedophiles that have been through maybe a grooming machine at a at a right to life organization and nazis coming through a grooming machine uh you know i'm it scares the shit out of me and then we just sometimes feel like we don't have any game and i know like we've been watching steadily too people feeling paralyzed and marie i know you're going to talk about this next on they don't, they're waiting for the inevitable doom. And so people are preemptively like closing clinics and, and stopping care before they have to. And what kind of mess is that causing Marie? Like, it just seems terrible. It's, it's creating a huge push and need for more people to travel for care that shouldn't have to. But what we've seen is that Planned Parenthoods in particular are bowing out of providing services before they even legally have to within their state. So last last week in Iowa, like a like really a mess emerged. Their state Supreme Court passed a 24-hour waiting period, which doesn't go into effect until July 8th. Well, Planned Parenthood, however, immediately canceled and rescheduled appointments, and they've decided to preemptively comply with a 24-hour waiting period even though it doesn't go into effect again until July 8th. What? So like, just, just. That's like two weeks away. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You know how many abortions you can do in two weeks? I, 
I actually probably get you the math, but even one abortion is, is what matters. Like that person gets that care and you know, who's been providing abortion care in Iowa. It's the Emma Goldman clinic. Ah, uh, the Indy. It's yeah. The Indy clinic. It's entities like Hey Jane and Carafem that do telemedicine support along with other suppliers. And we're seeing this trend in other states as well. Wisconsin's Planned Parenthood announced they are stopping on June 25th. Wisconsin is a state with a pre-Civil War ban that even their governor, Tony Evers, tried to have challenged. He did a, specially, a special session this week to try to get some, some voices in the room with the elected Republicans immediately adjourned the session. The Lone Indy Clinic in Milwaukee Affiliated Medical Services is continuing to provide scheduled care. And they're the state's only Indy provider. And then we could go, I could go more anger. South Dakota's Planned Parenthood stopped providing abortion care back on June 15th. And to be clear, none of the anger and frustration I have at all are feelings at the staff of the front line providing, in the front lines providing care at these clinics. I want to know, though, how such a well-funded entity Planned Parenthood is with existing networks of facilities, lawyers across the country. How come you can't back your own clinics and keep them open? How come you can't? pay staff the wages that they need to have to be able to be at those clinics, figuring out how to get people to care while an independent clinic that doesn't have the ability to do any of that, doesn't have networks, doesn't have public donations by Amazon money coming to them by Mackenzie Scott. How it's, how is it that those clinics are the ones that are comfortably closing earlier when independent clinics are maintaining care? until the last well, well especially since like some of those states don't have trigger bans you know it's not like but i don't get how you're not taking your resources and having mobile units across the border if you're in south dakota why don't you have a mobile unit across the border in in minnesota you know why can't like i just don't understand why you're like you said marie it's just frustrating to me that um they're not thinking of ways to provide care instead yeah. It's like throwing their hands up and um, even just the pill, even if it's like, hey, you, you can't even have sedation. We're just going to do this like we're doing just this. But the whole like to bow down to a waiting period that's not even on the books yet. Like right. you're the oppressor then in that situation. Yeah, you're right. making someone. Why? Why? And Iowa, a state that does not have that many Amtrak stops, that is not rich in in um, infrastructure and transportation to get people from point A to point B already. Like, it's just gross. So that's my beef right now. And it's a, it's a fucked up trend, really, because while other people are fighting to keep the lights on at these independent clinics and hospitals that are in states that have trigger laws, other entities that are there doing it, the luxury to, to not do that is really, really frustrating. So I, my, my ask of this is remember, remind people you need to go check out INeedAna.com. They'll give you all the clinics, Planned Parenthoods, indie clinics, telehealth providers that are open. Um, and then there's also telemedicine at 10 weeks or less. Um, it, there are options and resources out there too, but. For those of you that don't know, INeedAna.com, it is the most accurate up to the minute. They are dedicated to making sure that every place that is open and can provide abortion care will be, if it's on that site, it's up and running. And so they want to make sure that in this time of confusion, that they are a, a beacon and a clarity point that you can go to if you're looking for care. Um, I share that, your frustration, Marie. Go ahead, Moch. I just want to go in and say what a resource I need in A is. I think we're not going to talk about it this week, but 
I've been seeing all of these articles about how Google is not reliable when it comes right. to abortion care. Yeah, so even yeah. if you yourself are like, I don't know if I'm going to need, I need an A, just bookmark it in your head and share that resource with the people you know, because if someone does have questions and is looking, it's the best place to get up to the minute information. And I know we talk about Googling it really casually, but that's, that's not your friend. No, it's not your friend. In fact, I'm excited that one of the exercises we'll be doing um, during Operation Save Abortion at the house parties is, you know, we're going to have people first Google um, where is the closest abortion clinic to my home. And then we're going to have them write down those results. And then we're going to have them go to I need an A to see how many of the Google searches are fake clinics and how many is actually a real clinic just to give people sort of an eye-opening idea of what that ratio really is, Moji. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, wow, it's been a heavy show so far, y'all. Um, I think, can we just take a minute and for our listeners especially to like just mention something that keeps you going or brings you joy um, before we move move on to our guest? I don't want our guest to walk into like, just like the sea of <laughs> where we are. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, what about you, Moch? What's been going on? Oh my gosh. So um, Marvel, this is not an ad, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> Disney plus released this new series. I think this week is the third episode called Miss Marvel. It is so good. Um, it is a um, Pakistani teenager, a Muslim Pakistani teenager who gets superpowers uh, and she's in high school and she is just really cool. It's really fun. There's just a a broad sort of diversity and representation of different kinds of Muslim people and kind of this, like the fact that she's Muslim is nobody's issue. It's just kind of a fact of her life. And I don't know a lot about Pakistani culture. Perhaps Marie can enlighten us a little bit, but it does. I feel like the show just tries to give a a diversity of culture and like a a two culture kid. Cool. She deals with the particular stuff she deals with, I think is very relatable, but it also doesn't, it's a happy movie about culture. Like, like, like as it's evolving, like it's still a Marvel show, but it doesn't make you feel like sad or brought down to be something, which yeah. makes me very happy. Yeah, it's really amazing. Cool. It makes me so happy. And it's just, and also it's just, there's really fun, like animations happening. And she is my last name. And she is a con. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yes. She is a, 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 Kamala, not a Kamala, right. same spelling. But Kamal, Kamal means Marvel in Urdu. Oh, the, yeah. So it's like, like know the, this. the first name was like making her the feminized, the feminine version, female version of that name from a real binary. Yeah, that was intentional. It's cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a little something that I was fully unaware of until you said this right now. Because yeah, I've read oh, none of the backstory. I'm just watching the show and like cheering along and enjoying her friendships. Amazing. Um, I went and saw POTUS last night, um, the play on Broadway. And it's um, it stars seven women, Leah Delaria, Vanessa Williams, um, uh, Rachel Dratch. Um, uh, it's got a whole cast of incredible people who are also incredible singers. And uh, it's really funny and really smart. And it is full of humor and rage and it is all female cast and it's great. And if you're in New York, I highly recommend it. Everybody's great in it and it feels very inspiring and your rage feels justified. And it's just like really, really good to see women being funny and mad and it's seeing a screwball comedy 
and see, it's like a farce. It's just really awesome. So I'm going to say that's been, that was my like joy to have happened last night. That was really good. And then I went to Italy for two weeks. Last, whatever. <laughs> Marie, what's bringing you joy? Miss um, Marvel also? Miss Marvel, I got to see my sister this last weekend in Louisville, Kentucky, and we got to go to Louisville Pride, which was like an exercise in like corp corporations throwing up rainbow flag. Like, yeah. like it's less so are you pan or bi and more like what hemidor flavor do you like? How does that oh how does hemidor describe <laughs> your sexuality? That's crazy. <laughs> but it was still really fun. And I got to guest with some of the folks we've actually had on the show before at EMW Kentucky's independent provider in that state that is still providing abortion care at the time this podcast is being taped. And <laughs> so it was great to be there. And that brought me some, some joy. I feel better. You guys, I'm glad yeah, that we a little bit of like joyful, uplifting stuff. Um, so I feel so excited that I feel like I'm going to crush on this week's uh, six degrees of abortion. Let's get to it. Moji. I have faith in you, I actually. Prepared. I have faith in you because this is a, you know, it's a, it's a heavy week. So we went with a joyful six degrees. So um, this is six degrees of abortion. And this is a great segment where Moji and Marie come up with a popular story for the week. And then Liz has one, two, three, four, five, six tries to link said story or said question to a Bobo's. All right. Uh, I like feeling, it. I also like to ready? talk about yourself in the third person. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the I'm best emoji is the emoji we talk I, about. I know. In the third then we're going to call Cat Green in to referee <laughs> yeah. and rule against me. No, 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 no. No, this is a joyful, just a joyful one. So okay, Beyonce, queen of the internet, dropped a new song um, on Beyonce's internet for us as mere people. And CNN had an article that uh, I love. The title was Beyonce's new song is an anthem for the great resignation. And then the subheading was Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell wants to increase joblessness in the US in order to save the economy, but Beyonce may beat him to it. I thought that was hilarious. And so uh, Marie and I consulted and thought that it would be nice to have you (laughs) link the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell to abortion. Um, well, specific man, not the name Jerome. <laughs> uh, Jerome Powell. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think if Jero- if um, the Fed reports to the Treasury Secretary, and I can't remember what their relationship is. The Treasury Secretary. I wish I knew that because I could tie it like if the Fed is directed directly connected to Janet Yellen, Janet Yellen schooled Republican Senate committee on how abortion is an economic issue. And then I could make it happen. I mean, I feel like that can't be more than two degrees right there. We're there. Are we there? But like, I mean, there's some (laughs) connection there, but I'm just unclear on what the Fed's relationship is to janet yellen if, if janet yellen is an overseeing body or if the fed is a independent body i'm unclear but i feel like they're monetary things do i win am i done did i do it I this easy i don't even yeah. need a cabri and tiebreaker what do you think wow. marie i i feel like it's there i feel yeah. like i feel like liz not knowing it immediately is bothering her more 
Yes. And I'm like, you know what? I feel really like that myself are actually not really connecting to what the relationship is between the Fed and the, the you know, I, would, I can see it. I would feel that if we were at the fifth degree, but we we're at like the second. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, how far I can it like, be? How big is, is the government? We can't even bury it in a bathtub yet. Yeah, I, I have I have medium joy about this win. It's just kind of like one of those like train finger bang bathroom things. You know, it's like fine. You know, like Joyelle's abortion. Yeah, you know, it's like whatever. It's fine. But I okay, I didn't lose, so I feel like it's a win. You won. I it's take like getting, it. It's like getting six on the Wordle. I did it. I did it. Thank you. I appreciate you. you. Didn't make still it Wordle. I still Wordle every day. You don't Wordle? Oh my gosh! Every I Wordle every other day. I wordle every day. If you don't, <laughs> then you, your score goes down if you don't do it every day. Did you know that? Your ranking? Um, oh, do they? I, I didn't I know there was an existing ranking. I mean, it's not really a ranking. It's like a streak. Yeah. And if you skip okay. a day, it, it fucks with your yeah. streak. But anyway, oh, not so. Okay. Oh my God. We're going to go to our new sponsor, which is an exciting <laughs> new sponsor. Marie, tell us about it. Are you an activist or a Catholic priest in need of some black market fetuses? always looking online for deals on medical waste only to find someone beat you to it or didn't look at all the pictures in the ad, then you need Exlist. Exlist is the number one network for finding the fetuses you need at the non-union price point you want for whatever point you're trying to make. Their extensive database is made up of top traders in the fetus collecting community. So whatever your needs, making posters for a clinic protest or a viral unboxing video, Egglist is the hub to find fetal remains dealers in your area. Whether you're looking for five fetuses or 115, you can be sure with Egglist, your days of bribing medical waste van drivers and photoshopping are over. And bonus, each Egglist dealer will store your bulk fetuses in coolers and set up your press release display, giving you extra time to make up and memorize the story you want to tell. Use the special code Feminist Buzzkill to unlock one month of deals. Exlist, your neighborhood medical waste marketplace. <laughs> such good advertisers. I feel like you know, other people wish they had advertisers as great as ours. I know. It's true. It's true. All right. Now is it time for our cool guest? Oh, finalmente. We are so excited. This is part one of our two-part interview with actor, author, abortion evangelist, and podcaster, Busy Phillips. You can catch the second part of the episode next week. Busy Phillips, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for having me. It's a weird time. It is a weird time. And we just had a conversation um, where we like we just did 30 minutes of sort of intense where we're at. And then we all just like stopped for a sec and said, this is what gives us joy. Uh, Moji's really into Mrs. Marvel. Ms. Just Marvel. Ms. Just Ms. Just Ms. She's unmarried. She's a teenager. Okay. Ms. Marvel. <laughs> uh, there we go. Um, I saw POTUS last night, which is a dream. The play. If I have haven't... to go see that. I'm going to write it down. Everybody needs to go see it. I cannot plug it enough. It is so much fun. Um, and Marie was chiming in on Ms. You guys were Ms. Marveling. Sort yeah, of. Yeah. We're enjoying it. The other thing that we have all been binging is Girls 5 Eva. It's the perfect show <laughs> for like, first of all, the costumes. Second of all, all of you are gorgeous and the singing. And the so, theatricality, like you guys are so over the top. It's so fun. It is a riot. 
But so you don't get to have that because it's your job. So what is it that you're like leaning hard into as you wake up every day and probably have a little diarrhea waiting to see if our rights are going to be taken away today? And then what do you do good for yourself? For me, it it actually isn't shows because, well, I started watching Severance, but then I that was too depressing. Oh. It's amazing, but it was too depressing. And so for me, it's really music. And specifically, I do this thing in the morning called Psychic Shuffle. What's that? I want to well, know. I use, okay, so, well, you know how everybody's like, your phone listens to you. Uh-huh. Right, obviously. Uh-huh. So I use Apple Music. Like, I pay for it because I have a whole thing about paying artists. Wow. I want to pay them. Wild. So I buy, so I, I buy the the music i know but i'm like the only idiot that like doesn't No, i buy apple music spotify <laughs> oh you do okay so then this will work for you so in order to do psychic shuffle every morning so you you restart your phone and you go into your music and then you go into songs and then you just press shuffle and your library of songs will give you a real vibe liz oh, <laughs> real vibe. really yeah so literally you just hit shuffle and yes. then and then, it, I mean, for me, like, I have to, cl- I think I need to clear out my Apple music because I also have, like, VO recordings that I've done and stuff. So, like, I don't want to pop up and hear it. I have some rules. Like, I have my own rules that I've made as I do it. Like, I do have a few random, I typically am good about, like, delaying my files from my podcast, but occasionally a file will pop out. That, that doesn't count. If it's a song I hate and don't want to listen to, I at least look at the title of the song, who the artist is, and occasionally I'll go to the lyrics and just be like, why? What does this mean? What is this saying? This is so, this is, you know, we've had to turn to crystals, guys, because (laughs) the world is This is all I'm saying. I'm like looking for signs everywhere. But it actually, I have to say, many days has like turned my entire day around because it's just a trip or it's exactly the song I needed to hear or I don't know the message or it's a song that I haven't listened to since I was 19 or something you know what I mean it's like it's always wild so I highly recommend a psychic shuffle so this works if you don't fully stream you have to like be buying the art the like the 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 albums from your artists and then like go through I only know, I only use Apple Music, so I don't know, like, exactly, I don't know what Spotify's vibe is. But with my Apple Music, I know I, like, pay for, I can stream, too. So, like, I know I pay for, like, the music that I have downloaded and then Mm streamable music. And it Mm -hmm. will, in Psychic Shuffle, there have definitely been songs that I do not have downloaded. Because I do have Apple Music, but I'm, I'm like, literally just started playing it and uh-huh. so I'm, this, I'm going to try that tomorrow thank you it, it's okay. also I will give a secondary plug for Apple Music also which is they have the best compilation so if you type in Brazilian jazz it will just play a pl- really good compilations for you if you just yeah. like the type of music or like if you and you can be really specific like like 1973 funk and like it will, it will like not divert into like some bullshit, which is really great. I'm kind of obsessed with that. I also think Apple Music has a good algorithm in terms of if you put in just a song that you like, 
Have you used that feature? Yeah. Yes, oh, because yeah. on Tuesday, this is, why I started, makes- <clears throat> this is why I started listening to Apple Music because I wanted to hear Beyonce's new song. Obviously, I'm a human being with a heartbeat. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> like I was hearing all this other stuff that I was like, oh, there's music here on, on Apple Music. Yeah. That, was dumb. that was a dumb thought, but I, right. I, I, I love that. And I think, you know, it's like, I love that you're going to music rather than um, shows because I have like plowed my way through some shit that I can't believe that I was like, plowing my way through but I just did it anyway because I go way off the deep end I'm in politics all the time and then I'm like in Riverdale and then I'm like why isn't Katie whatever the hell on anymore you know why am I watching these shows it's not sorry no can I tell you something else that like I do love though so I have my kid my older kid Birdie is 13 almost 14 and I let Birdie pick videos on YouTube slash compilation on TikTok, like different TikTok videos to show me at night. And it's wild because it's wild what 13 and 14 year like teenagers are watching. Um but I what are they like, watching? Yeah, I want to know. Well well Birdie's real cool, obviously. Uh so yeah. like Birdie was really into this uh Norwegian teen drama from a few years ago called SCAM S-K-A-M. And so we watched the whole series, but wait, wait, are you ready for this? You can't get, you can't get it on any streaming service. We had to watch it on Tumblr. What? <laughs> wow. Who's on Tumblr? Yeah. A birdie, obviously. <laughs> so whoever posted this Nor- Norwegian teen show, like they posted it on Tumblr. It's not, I, but also like <laughs> birdie has these YouTubers. There are these kids named, um, Kaylin and Weston Corey that we watch and they're it's like ludicrous but I'm very into it now you mean the rapper ludicrous or they're ludicrous <laughs> no they're like it's absurd it's okay. absurd the, okay. it's like theater of the absurd like it's <laughs> wild what these kids are into and then the TikToks are just like I mean you know what TikToks are. I mean, TikTok I think, is yeah. like crazy addicting. Amazing. I think TikTok is the greatest. I think TikTok is Maria and I's love language. That's how we communicate yes. a lot. <laughs> I'll mean, be like, I like won't hear from her for four days and then I'll just get a TikTok. And it's I'm like, literally, oh. but it's that, it's that Harlem to, to landlock Brooklyn. <laughs> That's what Mochi and I deal with, <laughs> our relationship. That's how I tell her the news. <laughs> I mean, you guys are worlds apart. <laughs> worlds apart. A Sad whole A-train. It's easier to me to get to the airport than it is to see Moji. <laughs> I know. That's really rough. Okay. So, Biz. Um, yeah. The one thing about your podcast is so wonderful. And, and the, it's like very rich. And your conversations are very rich. And when we started this podcast, you know, we were like, we really want to have some informational stuff out there for people because no one's talking about abortion. And the side part that was that's been really great is that people are starving for connection and for conversation around abortion and it's been really rewarding and i just am curious with y'all and and we were sort of surprised by that we thought people would be excited about the information i'd love to know just because you guys are so like just your your conversations are so rich what is something that was like an aha thing for you that you did not expect would come out of the podcast from doing it well I've had like such a journey with the, with the yes. podcast and I you know the community that like has started to just build itself has been so cool and 
like I had mentioned earlier to you guys, this is my birthday week. It's my birthday week. And my birthday is on Saturday. And there's like a group of our listeners who like have all banded together in honor of my birthday and raised all this money for abortion funds and for a few other charities that I love. And they've all like written these really amazing things to me on a wall, like on the Facebook wall. And I, you know, I just am sort of consistently moved by how much people are in need of really feeling heard and seen and especially obviously especially women right you know I like told this story on the podcast but again you'd have to get through the three hours of it so uh (laughs) guys if you did listen to it you can just fast forward um but I took Birdie and their friend to see Phoebe Bridgers and uh and Lucy Dacus and Muna who it it was just an amazing show at um Forest Hills Oh, that's a great stadium to see shows. I love it there. Oh, it it was the best concert experience I've had since, well, I guess, I I guess since 2020, because since I moved to New York and I've been to Madison Square Garden for like the Harry Styles shows, but you're wearing masks and it's hard. And Forest Hills is outside and it almost like made me feel like LA, like, like the Greek theater or something Mm -hmm. where you're in nature. There's so much green around you. Um, but you know that Phoebe Bridgers song, I Know the End? Do you mm-hmm. guys know that song? Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. Where, and it sort of builds up and then uh, she screams. And uh, and it was like 12,000, 15,000, mostly women, a few dads, some male fans. And when that part happened and like 15,000 girls were just screaming like their fucking lives depended on it. And I was like overwhelmed with, well, first of all, just like love for girls because they Mm -hmm. get such derision in our fucking society and the things that they love and the things that they like get so dismissed. And it's such insanity, but also just the catharsis of like all of the stadium of women and girls screaming together. It was honestly like one of the most magical and moving things that I've been a part of recently. Also, we're just reconnecting with human energy too. So Mm -hmm, when, mm -hmm. when there's so much negative human energy around you all the time. And then you're in a space where there's all this positive human energy. It's like somebody rings a gong through you and you just feel it like cutting through your whole thing. That is so great. And to be able to have that energy and with your child is really cool. Oh, by the Liz, I, I wasn't allowed to stand next to Bernie. Let's be real. You were having a I moment. Was a, I was a fee. I was like, I was like within earshot eye shot of the kid but like no come on let's be real I was having my I didn't scr- I didn't scream by the way I scream all the time so it's you know I'm good I get it out I said to um Amber you know who Amber Ruffin obviously oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and uh I love her and I you know okay. have known her for several years and um I just loved a th- I reposted a thing from her show from the other night and we were DMing back and forth and 
right? Just like commiserating, like what a shit show this is. And I was like, yeah, but at least we get to publicly get it out yes. and say it. Yes. And we get to, and like, no one doesn't know where we stand. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and isn't that a gift really? It is so freeing. And, you know, it's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because not only do you make it possible for others, the catharsis around doing it and like your origin story of when you decide when you decided you were going to finally like tell your abortion story because you'd kind of had enough and really kind of wanted to be there in it. I love hearing when people who have platforms where it's going to resonate and it's also going to have blowback. I love finding out, like, I want to hear about the moment. I want you to take me to that moment. Was it spontaneous? How much of it was planned out versus how much was it? You were like, I'm just on the precipice and I'm saying it. And now I'm just going to be in it. How was it for you? Well, the first thing is that I always in my envisioning of my public facing life always knew I was going to talk about being sexually assaulted, being raped when I was 14 and then getting pregnant and having an abortion when I was 15. I always knew that that was an eventuality for me. And I luckily in a weird way saw really early on, like I was on Freaks and Geeks when I was 19, how reductive media is especially to young women especially at that time come on guys it was like 98 nightmare right and so I am glad that I didn't talk about those things to a reporter for YM magazine or whatever (laughs) you know because and especially at that time like I, I you know I had to process my own trauma from my teen years myself. And I have always been a writer. And I, when I was in my twenties, after I was on Dawson's Creek, I had taken uh, these writing classes at Otis School of Design in Los Angeles. Otis Parsons. Yeah. Yeah. Otis Mm -hmm. Parsons. And it was like specifically memoir workshop writing. I I did it a few sessions, like a few um, semesters. And, uh, and it really helped me like find my voice in terms of how I wanted to talk about these things. And so then I pitched a book then when I was like 24, maybe 23, 24. And the publisher was like, I think people just want like fun stories about like Dawson's Creek and what it was like to kiss James Franco. And I was like, oh, well, this is not, uh, not what I'm interested in writing. Nor has that aged well. No. <laughs> Ever. And, uh, and so then I just kind of kept it. I just kept it like, you know, and it Twitter, was sort of revelatory for me in being able to have my own voice. And then of course, Instagram. And then once Instagram stories came along and I was really able to communicate in a way that I wanted to, that I didn't feel like was instantly reduced to some stupid headline that somebody wanted to make it. Um, Or if it was at least like there was enough content to back it up so that I knew where it was. Mm-hmm. This is another thing. Mm-hmm. Like this is a theme. My therapist and I talk about this a lot. Like truth in storytelling is really complicated for me because of my upbringing. So I like to like have the receipts basically. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's hard when you are a performer of any kind and you're reliant on news media, like reporters that you sit and do an interview with because it is totally up to them what they decide to cherry pick and put in an article. And I've seen it with the most high end of publications with friends of mine, you know, as well as just like the whatever TMZ vibes. Um, 
Busy, busy. We have to go. Oh my God. We could talk to you forever, but we absolutely have to go, darling. Oh my God. I have one more thing to tell you. <laughs> what? Wait, you guys. Uh, after I spoke about my abortion on the late night talk show, so I had put it in my book. They were passing the extreme abortion bans. I talked about it on the late night talk show that like kicked off this whole thing. I received via my agent the most insane, poorly written cease and desist letter from the guy that knocked me up in <gasps> oh. high school to stop talking about my alleged abortion. It was what? insane. <laughs> what? I was so, you guys, I was so deeply traumatized by the letter that, like, I really was because it was so. Yeah. Because, oh my God. Well, for all the reasons, right? Because all of a sudden this like person that I haven't even heard from thought of, I mean, well thought of, cause I wrote the book, but, but heard from had anything to do with in a million years, you know, comes out of the woodwork, tracks down my agents and sends this insane cease and desist, uh, to that I needed to stop talking about my abortion. Um, but also, like, I was feeling very vulnerable at that time because I'm sure you've talked about this on your podcast, but, like, emotional hangovers are real, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, I was feeling very vulnerable when I got that letter. And I was, kind of like, talking to my therapist, and I was like, I feel literally like I'm going to have a breakdown. And my therapist, Lita, who's the best, goes, well, we can't do that. If you have a breakdown, then they win, Busy. That's what they want. They're counting on the breakdown. Yes. You can't have the fucking breakdown, Busy. You got to just keep, you know, you got to just keep going. That's what they want. They're doing this so that you can have a breakdown. 100%. And I was like, oh, you're right, Lita. Oh, my God, you're so right. And then, like, three days later, they called and asked if I would testify before Congress. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Haven't heard from this alleged the alleged guy that allegedly knocked me up leading to my alleged abortion. I love that alleged, the, the alleged guy that allegedly knocked you up uh, for your <laughs> alleged abortion. We might have to call this episode that. <laughs> the alleged guy that allegedly knocked you up for your alleged abortion. Is he I also was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, dude. I also was like, if people know that you are the one that I had the abortion with, that's on you. Because I mm -hmm. hid your, like, you know, all of the identifying characteristics in my book. I've never even talked about you. So that just means that, like, since I was famous, you've been like, I dated her in high school. And then people just put it the fuck together. So that's on you for being gross. Exactly. Also, I dated her in high school. Yeah. And she thought so little of you that she had an abortion. <laughs> so sorry, dude. Things didn't work out in a myriad of ways. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know what? It's not Arizona's finest. No, definitely not. No, definitely. No, not. You can have that crown. You're giving Thank that you. crown to you because um, you. somebody somebody needs to snatch it off of Kristen Cinema's head and put it right on yours. Um, I'm not going to get you. Your face has I'm going. Your face has I'm going. I'm looking at your face. I feel like I need to go in, but we need to go. Um, okay. So okay. you and I are going to continue. Kristen Cinema over drinks. Okay. Um, Busy Phillips, you are the best. Thanks, Liz. How are you? <laughs> Thank Bye. You. Bye, Monty. So good to see you guys. Bye. Thanks. 
Thanks, Busy. To hear the rest of this interview, join us next week on This Here Pod. You can follow Busy Phillips on all the socials at Busy Phillips. Watch Girls 5 Ever on Peacock. Listen to Busy and Casey on their podcast. Busy Phillips is doing her best wherever you pod. Take us home, Liz. Oh my God, that is our show. And again, thanks, Busy. And we'll we'll hear more from you next week. It's very exciting. If you love this pod, write a review, give us five stars. It's the best way to reach more people. And by doing so, you will help people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up with us between episodes and get the latest repro news, follow Abortion Access Front on all the socials at Abortion Front on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and at Abortion Access Front on YouTube and TikTok. FBK Live is edited by Rebby DeTournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. And next week, we will be talking to the executive director of Elevated Access, which is so cool. It is an airline that flies patients to abortion care or gender affirming care uh, when they need and can't get it in their home state. And we will also, again, be joined by who? Say it with me, team. Busy Busy Phillips. That's right. Activism alert. Countdown to Operation Save Abortion. Save the date July 17th. With all of us panicking about what to do after the fall of Roe, AAF has a plan. Join us for Operation Save Abortion. It's a live stream training day with the coolest activists from all areas of abortion advocacy, helping you decide how to get your activism on. So gather your friends for a watch party on July 17th. For more information and to register, go to operationsaveabortion.com. And please, please, please support the work of Marie's wonderful organization, Midwest Access Coalition. They provide travel, lodging, and all the support it takes when you have to travel to get abortion care. Learn more and donate at MidwestAccessCoalition.org. And lastly, plug, plug, plug. We're plugging all the giving of the monies. Join our Patreon. That's right. We have a Patreon and you'll support great content and get cool FBK merch and experience. All pledges support this pod and all of our work at Abortion Access Front. Look, Roe is burning and together we can put this fire out. So pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. Or if you want to donate directly to Abortion Access Front, you can do so at aafront.org slash donate. And lastly, a dude who shows us all ass by telling women they should only show their asses if getting permission from their men or something like that. The first thing I want to say is that the Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you. So woman, to make your husband's job easier, just obey what he says. When he tells you to do something, just do it. It makes his life easy. Okay, his life is already hard. He is cursed to have to work, just like you're cursed with childbearing. He's cursed with having to work. And so the pain that you feel in childbearing is sort of similar to the pain that the husband has to feel going out and working every single day, eight to 12 hours a day in the heat, in the cold, suffering pain. So when he comes home and he asks you to do something, it's not you that tells him what to do, he asks you to do something. The Bible says to obey that, okay? It makes his life a lot easier. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. If you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.